So this episode of Car Space is brought to you by Henry's Extreme Blinker Fluid. Don't get stranded in the winter, unable to use your turn signal. Henry's, more blinks per mile and more miles per blink. And now, the Car Space Podcast. Hello and welcome back to Car Space. Uh, sorry for the hiatus. Uh, as you can see, kind of, well, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see that moving in to kind of a new studio space in my basement. Uh, pretty excited about that. Uh, still working out the kinks and still working out the decor in the background, but uh, we'll get there. So on today's episode, we're going to look at Ed Welburn, who was a major influence in General Motors design and car design as a whole. Uh, for 44 years uh, and actually continues to be so today. Uh, so Ed Welburn was born December 14th, 1950 in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And at eight years old, he went to his first car show. It was the Philadelphia Auto Show. And that was when he decided he wanted to make a career out of being an automobile designer. Uh, he was actually inspired by the Cadillac Cyclone concept and uh, the Corvettes of the time. So at 11 years old, and this is pretty amazing to me because at 11, I was just trying to get through, uh, you know, whatever grade school I was in. At 11 years old, he wrote to General Motors asking how to become a designer. And uh, they actually wrote back to him and gave him some advice on how to make that happen. So Ed, uh, taking that advice, would go on to study design, sculpture, and painting at Howard University. Of which he said about his experience there that creativity was all around me. He would actually go on to spend 44 years with General Motors and make a considerable mark on the company and automotive industry as a whole. So he was initially uh, brought in to work at the Buick Exterior Studio. Uh, some of the vehicles he worked on at that time were the Riviera and the Park Avenue. Although he said his first actual project was to work on the tail lamp for a Pontiac. He didn't specify which Pontiac, just that he worked on a uh, tail lamp for a Pontiac. And in 1975, he moved over to work with Oldsmobile, where he would work on several vehicles such as the Cutlass Supreme and the Cutlass Sierra, among others. But more significantly in his time there, he worked on the Oldsmobile Aerotech, which would, at the time, actually set the land speed record in 1987. The first of the pace cars for the Indy 500 were also done in this time, starting with the 1988 Oldsmobile Cutlass Supreme pace car, which received the IDSA Award of Design Excellence. To reward his work, in 1989, he was promoted to Chief Designer of the Oldsmobile Exterior Design Studio 2, where he would work on vehicles such as the Antares Concept and the Intrigue. In 1996, he was made Chief Designer of Saturn, which actually included some overseas work in Germany, but that would actually prove to be only a two-year assignment, as in 1998, he was appointed Executive Director of GM's Advanced Design. In this role, he would oversee vehicles like the Chevy SSR, the Chevy Bel Air concept, and the GM Autonomy and Highwire. If you remember the SSR, uh, it was a very cool vehicle, probably built on the wrong chassis. Uh, it was built on like a Tahoe, Tahoe Silverado kind of mishmash. But it was a, I, I think it was a pretty cool looking car. The Chevy Bel Air was done in response to the Ford Thunderbird at the time, the, uh, the retro kind of modern look that was coming about. It never made it to production, uh, which is probably a good thing. I don't think it would have aged well. The Autonomy, I don't remember much of. It sounds like a name of a self-driving car. And the High Wire, I feel like I remember the name of it. And I feel like it was something that you could move the steering wheel from passenger to driver. And one of the other could become the, the driver. But I'm sure it had something to do with 
uh, wired. Uh, I, I know uh, they were really going to still like uh, throttles and stuff. Obviously, at that time, were becoming very uh, automated, not not cable driven. So I think that was kind of the start of it. I think the steering actually became uh, wired as well, or not wired, but so much as uh, rather than a direct linkage to the steering box, you would uh, turn the wheel and sensors would tell the wheels, an electric motor on the on the steering box to turn which way or another and how much input to give, which I, I think we've, we're, we're kind of seeing more and more of uh, heading that direction, especially as we go self-driving, unfortunately. In 2002, he was appointed executive director of design of Body on Frame. So some of the vehicles that included here was the Hummer H3, which was the Hummer that was based on the Colorado chassis of the time with the inline five, if you remember from back then, uh, the Cadillac Escalade, the Silverado, the Tahoe, the Yukon, and the Sierra, all of which body on frame designs. You don't see too many body on frames anymore. There are obviously trucks, SUVs mostly have gone away from it. There's a couple hanging around, but not too many. So his time in that position would actually prove pretty brief, although he did help, uh, bring in the new generation of those vehicles I just mentioned. Uh, it was obviously impactful as in 2003, he was promoted to vice president of GM design of North America, which made him just the sixth person to lead that, that, uh, in that position, starting with Harley Earl. Uh, we'll obviously do an episode on him. I'm researching it right now. Uh, and later they actually created the position of vice president of global design just for him. His influence at this point reaches far and wide as he had his hands on pretty much any new design done globally in the company. Now the vehicle list is astronomical. So what I want to do here is kind of focus on the North American concepts that are probably the most prominent. So starting with the Buick Enclave, uh, Buick, Buick Enclave is obviously an SUV that was based on the same chassis as the Chevrolet Traverse. It is still around today. Obviously, it looks a little bit different, but it kind of started with that. It kind of brought in a whole new generation of SUVs as it was kind of the uh, the unibody version or, or sizing of the Tahoe Suburban kind of in that range. The Pontiac Solstice SD290 concept, which was unveiled at SEMA, which looked a lot like a retro race car. It had one seat and no roof and looked pretty spectacular, a lot like the original Solstice did. The Saturn Flexstream concept which was a diesel plug-in hybrid that was a rebadged Opal concept that was built on the same platform as the Chevrolet Volt. Uh, if you remember back then, uh, Saturn and Opal were kind of uh, paired up with each other, and a lot of the new Saturns that were coming out were kind of rebadged Opals. The Hummer H3 open top concept was a almost convertible like H3, the H3 we just mentioned as a, uh, the body on frame kind of Colorado-based SUV. Uh, it, it, instead of uh, having like a glass roof like a lot of the new SUVs do now, it had a cloth top that would kind of fold away, that would kind of slide backwards. You still had the solid rails on the sides, but then the cloth top would kind of move back. So the Chevrolet Volt concept, we kind of mentioned the, the Volt a second ago and the Flexstream concept. The concept was decidedly better looking than what we actually ended up getting, but it was still a pretty pivotal vehicle for General Motors as it uh, initiated their move back into electric vehicles. Uh, the Chevrolet Beat Groove and Tracks concepts, if you watched, and I don't remember, I'm sorry, which Transformers movie it is, but there was like triplets on the Autobots team, and they were the Beat Groove and Tracks. So these were unveiled in the 2007, one of the 2007 shows to gauge the interest in the public to this size of vehicle. Obviously, as uh, Americans, uh, if you're an American or North American, uh, we prefer our vehicles bigger. 
rather than smaller. So trying to, you know, they were trying to gauge the interest uh, on that size of vehicle, whether or not we would buy them or not. So the Hummer HX was a two-door concept SUV, which actually would look really good alongside like the Ford Bronco kind of vehicle now. Uh, it actually looks a lot like if you took the, the, the current Hummer EV truck and kind of squished it down to a two-door, it actually looks fairly similar to that. It was a pretty cool concept SUV, I think. I wish they had come out with it. Uh, the Holden Coupe 60 concept, which I know is not North American, but uh, if you look at that concept, you can see where the uh, Pontiac G8 came from and the Chevy SS later, where they came from a, a common Holden uh, car. The GMC Denali XT concept was a hybrid SUT, which is a sport utility truck, think kind of avalanche-like, which maybe if it was modernized a bit now, would actually look really good as a GMC version of the Chevrolet Silverado EV, which I'm sure is coming at some point. Uh, the Cadillac Provoke fuel cell concept was a concept that used a hydrogen fuel cell. Obviously, we never got the hydrogen fuel cell, but uh, the Provoke looked almost bang on to what the Cadillac SRX looks like. So I assume it was more uh, design language that translated into the SRX. Uh, the Cadillac CTS Coupe concept uh, ended up winning the Eyes on Design winner at the Detroit Auto Show. Great looking car, not around anymore. I assume that's probably got more to do with the lack of purchasing of coupes. Obviously more people prefer SUVs or four doors. The Chevrolet Corvette Stingray concept, we're not talking about the C8, we're talking about before the C7, so between C6 and C7 generations. Uh, if you look at the concept, it's a really good looking concept, but you can see a lot of the design language that translated over to the C7. So the Chevrolet Orlando concept, uh, I hem and hawed on whether or not to even include this. The concept looked pretty cool, kind of underwhelmed as a production vehicle. That's not really out of the ordinary for concepts moving to production obviously the concept gets to be a little bit more wild and the production has to be tamed down unfortunately and that's not really on him for that but yeah that was kind of my opinion on the orlando the cadillac era concept was a very interesting kind of futuristic design of a race car sports car um nothing came of it i assume again it was a design language thing it was just something i think designers probably need a moment where they can kind of free themselves from the the typical constraints and i think that was probably one of those cars uh the cadillac converge concept was again detroit eyes on design winner for the year that it was there it was the basis of the cadillac elr which was a plug-in hybrid coupe that looked a lot like this cadillac cts uh not gonna lie to you completely forgot about the elr but uh, i went back and looked at it. it was a pretty good looking car again it looks a lot like the cts maybe a little bit uh sleeker cts coupe uh, the Buick Regal GS, which um, honestly, if I take a second, I think kind of helped turn Buick design around. Unfortunately, I don't think Buick has really followed through with that. I think they they had momentum. Maybe people weren't buying them, and that was the problem because I feel like they haven't really gone anywhere. But I feel like that car in particular really brought about and the Buick Avenir concept, which again was another eyes on design winner kind of brought forth this new design language for Buick and kind of made it exciting again after years of kind of languishing as kind of a boring, bland kind of brand. The Cadillac XTS Platinum concept would go on to become the Cadillac XTS. Uh, two really cool cars. I want to take a second, and I kind of would love to do an episode on just these. Uh, the Chevrolet Code 130R and the True 140S concepts. So it was a really cool pair of cars, and I think they were youth-oriented um maybe in response to scion i'm not really sure 
And then obviously Scion, as we know in past episode, kind of went, uh, not belly up, obviously. They just kind of got molded back into Toyota. Uh, the 130R was a two-door, four-seat, rear-wheel drive, little sports car with a four-cylinder. The True 140S was a almost like a Chevrolet version of the Mitsubishi Eclipse. If you looked at it, it looked very similar, uh, very similar lines, very similar roof line. Also front-wheel drive, uh, two-seat four door or sorry two seat two door four seats sorry uh very cool car also drove the front wheels uh but i'd love to do i it was it it sucked that that we got kind of taunted with those cars and teased with them and then we never got them uh he helped kind of work on the chevrolet chaparral which was uh actually designed for the grand Turismo video game they did build one real life version it had four-wheel steering, and it was, it was a race car. It was pretty cool. I already mentioned the Buick Avenir concept, which won the Eyes on Design winner. Uh, Avenir actually means future in French, and it was meant to display Buick's future direction of design. Still waiting on that to be completed. Um, Avenir actually would end up... The naming of Avenir would go on to become Buick's top-of-the-line type models, kind of like think Denali for GMC. So again, that was a small list of the vehicles that he actually oversaw. Uh, there were many more great designs, honestly, but they were overseas and I had to, you know, for, for time purposes and I'm not just regurgitating cars to you. Um, I know we all love cars if you're listening to this, but um, it, it can get monotonous. I'm just in here listing cars. So he ended, he ended up retiring on July 1st of 2016 after a 44 year career that saw him become just sixth design leader in GM history and the first African-American to ever lead a design studio. He has won a ton of awards and uh, I want to kind of list a few of those off here in a second. But I, w- I do want to say that under Welburn, GM kind of helped lead innovation and designs, I felt like. And it uh, I feel like something that's been lost to GM probably since he left. I don't know if there's a transition period and they're catching up and they're getting there. Their designs are getting better. But I feel like there was a time in there where they were, they've just been producing cars to make money. And I understand that they went through financial whatever, but they were just pounding out SUVs. For instance, like the Chevy Blazer, which uh, thank- thankfully temp- for me, the Chevy Blazer is currently like the worst selling SUV that GM produces. And I think that's probably in response to kind of what I thought was you took a name that meant something and made it something it's not. So I hope they learn from that and they kind of bring back the Blazer as more of a Bronco fighter because I think it would be great at that. Uh, something that like so if you listen to the episode that my dad was on he had a uh, 70s blazer and I'm, that's in my mind what the blazer should be you know even the s10 blazer that came later on like you could have there's the, the, the lines there right like it's just like the bronco where you have the bronco and you have the bronco sport you'd have the blazer and the blazer sport if you want to i mean i don't to me like i don't know if chevy's working on a a direct fighter to the new ford maverick i think the ford maverick was another great idea i kind of feel like ford is kind of leading these new design directions right like they're they're trying new things and i think a city truck is kind of a a novel and really cool idea to a point like I, but that the thing chevy has the name s10 sitting there and i think the s10 against the maverick would be a perfect idea the thing i think is wrong with gm that was great maybe under welburn's kind of leading there was that it was more they came out with it first whereas now it's like another company comes out with something it works and then chevy or gm starts to work on it 
that's just my opinion, obviously. So I wanted to do this kind of a short overview of a very influential designer as a way to kick off Black History Month, but also to show the story of someone who was driven to succeed from a kid and went on to live out their dream out until he retired. Uh, so here's some awards because I just I, I kind of like I don't I don't think I would do him justice without saying uh, kind of these things. So first of all, he won our Detroit's annual best dressed list. Good for him, you know. Uh, in 2016, General Motors dedicated the Center for African American Art at the Detroit Institute of Arts in Wellbird's honor. Uh, the Det Detroit Free Press also honored him with its first ever Difference Makers Lifetime Achievement Award. And most recently, he had his body of work turned over to the Smithsonian Institute Museum, sorry, Institution Museum, making him the first automobile designer to earn that distinction. In 2017, Welburn was awarded as Honorary Doctorate of Fine Arts by the College for Creative Studies. He was inducted into the Automotive Hall of Fame. In 2018, he received the Eyes on Design Lifetime Design Achievement Award for his outstanding career in vehicle design. Uh, he also won the Man of Excellence Award from the Michigan Chronicle and made Ebony's magazine list of the Ebony Power 150, the most influential blacks of America. And Black Enterprise Magazine named Welburn one of the 100 most powerful executives in corporate America. He also made that list in 2012. These are just a few of the awards. Like, honestly, if you Google Ed Welburn Awards, it just keeps going. Uh, but I wanted to mention a few of them. So even in retirement, Welburn is still advising on GM Designs with his design consultancy with his company called The Welburn Group. So thanks again for listening. Uh, thanks for listening about on my short biopic of uh, Ed Welburn, who I think, again, was one of the most influential designers. And really looking forward to doing more of these kind of biopics on different designers and people who influence the car industry. If you have any ideas, please reach out to me, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, whatever, or email me at theautoriff at gmail.com. And until next time, drive safe.